This is the Pro Football Doc Podcast with Dr. David Chow. As a practicing orthopedic surgeon who's performed hundreds of procedures on NFL players and as the former longtime head team physician for the San Diego Chargers, Dr. Chow uses his insider knowledge to decipher injuries to a documented 95% accuracy level. He's the Sirius XM sports medical analyst and is quoted everywhere from Sports Center to NFL Live. More than 100,000 followers can't be wrong. Following him on Twitter, looking for his instant insights on injuries during games. Now, Dr. David Chow, the pro football doc. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another pro football doc podcast. Post week eight NFL season as we approach week nine. Lots to talk about today. And uh, let's start off by bringing in producer here, Greg Peterson, who's very happy today since his team won. Are you still wear- wearing your cheese head this morning? I don't have the cheese head on just because I would look a little bit ridiculous walking up and down the street in it. I save that more for at home, but certainly the Packers gear is out and being proudly worn this Monday. Sounds good. Well, let's start our first segment here with a couple of things to discuss, as we always do. I think we'll touch on uh, eye shields, uh, Patrick Mahomes a little bit, maybe video analysis and, and some things we have going on. First of all, eye shields. In some ways, it's a wonder why all athletes don't wear them. Deshaun Watson, amazing play. He got kicked in slash around the eye when a cleat went through his face mask and hit him on slash near the eye. But he continued to play and threw a touchdown. So that's pretty amazing. Don't be shocked if, as a matter of fact, I'd be surprised if Deshaun Watson doesn't have a shield on. And the big change this year, Greg, is that shields with tints are now legal without prior medical approval, asterisk. It used to be you could always wear a completely clear shield anytime you wanted to, but to put any tint on the shield, a la LT, his face mask with the shield with the dark visor, the tinted visor, needed league approval for medical reasons. And the medical reasons varied from migraine headaches, light sensitivity, this, that, the other. And the league's reasoning was... You can't see the whites of somebody's eyes if they're rolled up in the back of the head if you have a tinted visor on with a concussion, which is completely ridiculous. But that's the rule. But this year, tinted shields are legal because of a new agreement marketing deal with Oakley. But it's a very light tint. Those are the ones that don't require medical exception. Deshaun Watson, I think, will wear a shield next week. The question is, is it clear, slightly tinted or tinted? But yeah, he's lucky there. This is why you have an eye socket, right? If your eyeball protruded, he might have really gotten hurt pretty significantly with that kick. But uh, the bony structures around his eye protected him. So uh, good on Deshaun Watson. That was a pretty interesting play. Moving on to Patrick Mahomes, he looks pretty good on the sidelines there. He's practiced, although scout team limited reps. Word is that he has an outside chance to play next week and likely to play the week after that. Well, he was hurt on a Thursday, so if he plays not this coming week, but the following week, as pundits say, that's three and a half weeks from injury. Totally doable. We've said three to four weeks from the beginning. Patrick Mahomes says he feels like he could play. 
He's just waiting for the word. And what he's waiting for is that tissue to scar in the MPFL, the medial inside of the knee, which undoubtedly gets stretched, torn, or compromised when the kneecap moves two, three inches out of place. And it's the risk of redislocation. It's been reported he has loose ligaments or is gumby, right? Very stretchable. That's good. That can prevent further damage and injury, but it's bad when it comes to instability and recurrent dislocation. People who are loose-jointed dislocate more easily. They do less damage when they dislocate, but they dislocate more easily. And that's what Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have to worry about. They were never going to play him this week. They were never going to do anything dangerous, dangerous with him. They've got a good medical staff. They'll let him back when they can. And uh, hopefully in the coming week or two, and hopefully he can play safely without recurrent dislocation. I still think he has surgery in the off season to prevent this from being a recurrent problem. But there's a quick update on where uh, Patrick Mahomes is. You know, and by the way, this uh, double-edged sword of being loose ligamented or gumby is part of what makes him great. I'm convinced that the reason why he can literally throw a ball out of the stadium, most people have seen that internet piece, is because of how flexible and stretchy or gumby he, he is. You're not stretchable at the knee, but not stretchable or loose ligamented at the shoulder. It, it goes with your whole body. It's your construct. And because he's loose ligamented at the shoulder, he can get more external rotation, thereby his arm is a better slingshot, so to speak, and able to throw the ball further and more powerfully and more accurately. So this all goes into his makeup of being loose ligamented. Let's talk a little bit, Greg, about video analysis and what we do. I encourage all of you who haven't to sign up for the profootballdoc.com website. It's free, so it's not like I'm selling anything. All you have to do, no credit card, put in your email, put in a password. Look at the JJ Watt video. We did that in-game. And uh, this is a podcast, so I can't do it justice. But if you go and walk through that video and look at it, I walked through the play where in-game we said, well, this is why I think his season is over and uh, he's going to need surgery and why he tore his left pec. Believe it or not, it, it happens as he splits the gap on the offensive line. And then he continues to make the tackle on Josh Jacobs, the Raiders running back in the backfield. There is a celebration. I think the average person can't even tell that he's hurt. I will admit I didn't see it in real time because we're watching, you know, nine games at once. But when he left the game, went back and rewound and looked. He was When he was ruled questionable, that's when I started looking at it and worried that he wouldn't be able to come back. And then we analyzed the entire video. And then for the listeners, you should take a look at that so you guys learn more of kind of what I do as I analyze the video. So uh, check that out at profootballdoc.com. Unfortunately, J.J. Watt has confirmed a, a pec, a pectoral tendon rupture. And uh, so this announcement for surgery is coming. And no, he won't return at the end of the season, no matter what, even if the Texans make it to the Super Bowl. There really just isn't enough time. And one other exciting thing that we have at the website there is the injury index is up now where we have matchup-based information. 
Greg, imagine this. If when you're doing uh, fantasy, if you're deciding between two running backs, look at the health of the opposing run defense. If you're trying to decide which wide receiver to, to play in DFS, look at the health of the opponent's pass offense. Uh, sorry, pass defense. Sorry, the opponent's pass defense. And uh, maybe that helps t- tilt you one way or another. And obviously for gambling too. So now with the field view, I don't know if you've seen it, Greg. It's uh, green, yellow, red by position uh, matchups. And uh, you click on it and it's very visual. So hopefully love to hear some feedback on that. We're at our soft launch with that. And soon you'll be able to hover over it and get the exact reason why the Redskin tight end spot is red because Vernon Davis is out with concussion and Jordan Reed has been put, placed on injured reserve with concussion. You get all those details uh, at the website there. And push notifications and other things are coming as well. So with that, let's take a break and then we'll bring back our very special can't miss guest today. And we'll be right back on the ProFootball.podcast. This is the ProFootball.podcast with Dr. David Schell. All right, welcome back to segment two of the ProFootball.podcast. Thrilled today to have special guest and friend on the show today, uh, Mr. Lights Out himself, uh, Sean Merriman. Welcome to the show, Sean. What's up, Dave? How you doing, my man? I'm doing great, and uh, I see... Is, is your life now busier than when you were playing football or less busy? I think I know the answer to that question. You know, it's it's less structured, right? <laughs> um, because, you know, <laughs> you, got, you have more things going on. Obviously, I got a, a bunch of stuff going on, but it's not structured. You know, some, sometimes, sometimes I have to get up. Like I was in Dallas last week and I was in Vegas for like 16 hours. And, you know, so it's less structured. It's not, you know, you have the... Uh, watch film or lift weights at eight o'clock and you got practice at 11 it's less structured and um so yeah you can say busier because it's, it's not it's not just one thing anymore it's uh, a, a combination of a few things so i would imagine vegas for 16 hours did you even get a hotel room no 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 i, I was actually <laughs> i was actually out there um you know obviously because of fighting league and there's a big fighting town out there and you go out there, you meet, 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 eat, and then you go back to the airport. So that's pretty much how things go nowadays. Yeah, no, no question. You're, you're huge in the fight world. Uh, tell since we're touching on it already. Tell tell the listeners what you've been up to if they don't know. Yeah, so you know we have uh, my current pro, uh, promotion, Lights Out Extreme Fighting. Uh, you can find us on LightsOutXF.com. Uh, we're a, a, a premier uh, Southern California based company here in Burbank, uh, MMA, you know, was um, something that I had a passion for for a long time. And, uh, you know, Dave, we even talked about a little bit of me getting in a cage after I retired and, um, you know, just being around the sport, man, is it's something I think that if I didn't play football, I probably would have dabbled in much earlier uh, if football wasn't there for me. So uh, you can catch it on Fox Sports West and Prime Ticket. We do, um, you know, air in Southern California, along with uh, six other regions in um, Texas, Florida, my uh, Texas, Florida, Ohio, Hawaii, and Vegas, all on Fox Sports. So you can catch us there. When are you fighting? <laughs> you know, um, 
so it, the, so this this is really the thing, right? So uh, I train with I train with a bunch of other pro fighters three four days a week. Um, I haven't gone the last couple of weeks, but normally uh, three four days a week. But it's a different thing, right? Because I tell people all the time: you you either fight or you don't fight. Like it's not you go, you're not going for, out for a bike ride. Or you're not trying uh, rowing or something like that. You're not going to try a different sport. Like either you do it or you don't do it. You know, to get to that level, and the guys I train with, this is all they do. And I, I see why, you know, you have some guys who are just straight out monsters out here because that's that's what they wake up and they go to sleep and they fight and train in between. And when you're doing multiple things, as I'm doing, uh, all the things that happen behind the scenes with the league and, and doing TV and you're moving around left and right, um, it just cuts back on the training time and then uh, being able to rest up and recover and things like that. So that that's really what kept me from fighting from the beginning. If I had more time, I believe I would have gotten the cage, you know, a few years ago. Yeah, I know you had that one fight scheduled. <laughs> yeah, we had a bare knuckle uh, fight, which I'm glad I didn't do with that promotion because, you know, we, we launched Lights Out Extreme Fighting right after. You know, what happened was, you know, these guys tried to cut my, uh, my, my guaranteed money back 50% nine days before the fight after being in a two and a half month training camp. And, uh, you know, Dave, you know, I'm not having that. I'm not going there. So, uh, gotta uh, protect the bag first and, and take care of it financially. And um, I'm, I'm actually glad that didn't happen. So uh, compare contrast MMA versus NFL football. I mean, there's certainly some similarities and differences. What's your take on it, and why do you love both? I like the physicality of football, right? The explosion from A to B, um, you know, being able to really be a, a, a monster, right, a freakish athlete out there in the field. Um, you know, you look at these guys on the football field, there's 300 and some odd pounds, just athletic freaks, you know, still run 4'7 uh, four, or 4'8 at, you know, 320 plus pounds. You know, they come from all parts of the country. And the thing is, when you kind of transition over into fighting, these guys are very, very crafty. And you got so many different uh, crafts and so many different um, levels of fighting. You have Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You have Muay Thai. You have guys who are really, really good on the ground. You got guys that are great strikers and, and have these disciplines. It really can go either way. So I, I just love the fact of being able to transition and learn something new. And that's what happened when I was playing. So during the off seasons, I would go um, and work on my hand-eye coordination. I got into doing some Muay Thai first, just hands and uh, and knees. And, and then I got into uh, working with Randy Couture and Jay Glazer and those guys back in 2006, uh, where I got really good at opening up my, opening up my hips and using my leverage. And uh, it, it tra you know, transitioned. I transitioned on the field. It worked. Um, I felt a lot better. And um, I really just fell in love with the sport. Well, one thing I know about you, Sean, is that you're going to be successful whatever you do. And I always knew you weren't just a football player. You're destined for the business world. And, uh, and you're destined to be the boss, not the employee. That is, uh, that is for sure. Uh, let's, since this is an injury podcast, let's talk a little bit. How do you think your NFL career would be different without that fateful day in Tennessee? You know, I, I think about it here and there. I used to beat myself up over it a lot, man. The first couple of years after I retired, um, where it started hitting me. And I think the first time when I went to uh, LT's Hall of Fame, um, yeah, I was there to support LT. And it, it probably hit me the hardest. That, that day was pretty tough for me. And, and obviously, I, I love LT and I was there to support him. But it was like, damn, you know, I'm never going to be able to get my jacket. And, um, you know, that, that day kind of really 
struck a chord with me. And I'm always a type that I don't look back for anything. I, you know, mistakes, regrets. Um, you know, I always look at ways that I can do things better and move on and, and not live in the past. Uh, but that day that I arrived there and then LT was getting his jacket, he was making that uh, probably one of the greatest speeches I've heard out of anyone who ever uh, had a speech at uh, the Hall of Fame induction. Um, it hit me that I would I was would never be able to get a jacket. So uh, that that's I felt that that's what my career was headed. You know, when I started out, I always wanted to be better than the best. And, um, you know, the best was LT, uh, Lawrence Taylor, who played at that position, obviously walking there um, and have another leg legacy in number 55. Uh, you know, the great Junior Seau, uh, who done so much in San Diego and such a pillar for not only the organization, but the community. It's like, man, how can I live up to these standards? And that that's where my uh, what my vision was in my, my career. I wanted to go. Well, I appreciate the honesty there. And we talked a little bit, including at the Hall of Fame there with LT's Hall of Fame uh, induction weekend there. And, you know, I've always said and I've told you this, what comes after 55, right? 56. And you were the, yeah. the next coming. And uh, people don't realize you held the sack record, the most sacks and the most impactful player in the history of NFL in the first three years. And that was counting you lost four games your rookie season because someone made you cover a kickoff when you yeah. were a first-round draft pick and you had a PCL injury. Uh, yeah. and, and I, but James Collins, the head trainer, and I were like shaking our heads. Going, Why are we making – you were – one A, right? You were the first first yeah, round yeah, pick that yeah, we had. 12, yeah. And Luis Castillo was one B. And we're like, why are we making one A cover kickoffs? <laughs> what, what are we doing here? <laughs> and you got a PCL injury uh, that day. And so you missed part of your rookie campaign, yet you still had that record. And then I don't mean to bring this up, but and some for some of the listeners, they may not know it. Sean had a devastating multi-ligament knee injury in that fateful day in Tennessee. And um, it look, I and you took the high road. I mean, if you go back, I'm sure it's on Game Pass and look at that play. It's pretty clear the 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 play wasn't where you were, and the Tennessee players were. I am not accusing them of purposely trying to hurt you. And in some ways, it was a freak accident how you got hurt. Your your knee was twisted up in an offensive lineman's belly as as he was giving you the football business, right? They were trying to yeah. send you a message. They weren't, I don't believe that they were trying to purposely hurt you, but there's no question they were trying to rough you up a little bit, right? Yeah, you know what's crazy about that is, um, and you're right, I, I, the, the one time that I spoke about that was uh, right after it happened, and I was about 15 to 20 yards away from the actual play. Uh, if you remember the play before that, they lined up a tight end in motion and uh, targeted me off the line of scrimmage, which they were so eager to get, to hit me. They, they got a, uh, you know, they got a flag for being um, offside. And then a follow play <laughs> after that is when, when the knee happened. And, you know, I was two or three sacks in in, for, in the first half. Um, what started that whole play was uh, Vince Young, who was a good, who was a friend of mine at the time, who uh, ended up doing a uh, action rollout while I was still getting blocked by the left tackle. So, you know, I'm, I'm concentrating on the left tackle, and then I look up and I run directly into Vince Young, who's not even supposed to have that action uh, motion out there with a left tackle still blocking. So he went down, and, you know, I stood over him, asked him, was he okay? Because that was a, you know, I knew Vince be prior before that game for, for some time, so it was no way in hell I was going to take a shot at a friend of mine. Um, 
So after that, that's when everything occurred. But yeah, when I got up, I put my knee down and I realized something was was terribly wrong. I knew something was wrong right away. Um, I put my knee down. It was kind of um, it was unstable. It was wobbly. And, you know, Dave, one thing I, 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 I've never done since I played football, since I was nine years old, I've never laid on the field. Not once. I've, ne- I've never wanted anybody to come and check on me. I always thought that that was a sign of weakness. And I'm not saying it for everyone else, but I never wanted anyone to ever see me hurt. So as bad as my knee was, I got up and I even tried to play. I don't know if you remember. I tried to play the very next play. And mm-hmm. I put my foot on the ground and I realized that it's, there's no way I can even push off without my knee kind of wobbling around. So I just slumped off on the sideline. I believe that's why people didn't understand how bad my knee was because I didn't lay on the ground. I didn't complain about it. I didn't say anything. And I believe I missed uh, one or two games after that. And we did a hell of a, a brace job, right? We did a brace job and I finished the rest of the season. So nobody really understood and knew that I had major, major uh, ligament damage in my knee. Well, you had a multi-ligament knee injury. It would probably made worse by the rookie season with the PCL and you got the LCL as well. And and I, I, I'll tell you my side of the story. I said, look, you, you, you need surgery. And you're like, no, 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 no. Let me, let me see what I can do here. And, you know, I used to always come at the end of practice I remember coming at the end of the practice, and I'm like, wait a minute, why is 56 out there with a brace? I mean, you were out there practicing with a brace on, and you were far from 100%, but you were like, I'm going to do this. Like, it, it surprised me. I was like, well, I guess it's a little too late to stop you from practicing because you've already practiced with it. But you were, you're right. You were nowhere near 100%. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, that off season, you finished the season, and you weren't yourself, but you finished the season. And then... We discussed you needed to have major surgery, but you didn't want to miss parts of the next year. And so, yeah, I think you're right. Because of your toughness and playing through, I don't think anyone realized the injury you suffered was a career changer. It absolutely changed the trajectory of your career, unfortunately. I can tell the world here, I know that this is, you're the guest here, but you'll probably remember this. There have been multiple occasions that you did that. You did some pretty fantastic things. I remember a game in New York against the Jets. And uh, it was a tight game, end of the game. And uh, we win on a goal line stand. And you come over and say, and show me your wrist. And I'm like, holy S-H-I-T, you dislocated your wrist. Your lunate was sitting in your palm. It was a a wrist dislocation. Yeah. And and I was like, well, we got to get this taken care of. And And you're like, and basically, you played like three plays of the goal line stand with a dislocated wrist. Like you were <laughs> yeah. like, oh, it happened a few plays back. I was like, what? <laughs> I had no clue. Uh, and that's amazing. And then even I, afterwards, you remember, we had to get that bone back in. I said, look, if we don't get this bone back in now, you can't fly home. we got to do this surgery here in, in New York. And we got the bone back in. And, you're, and you were looking at me like, what are you talking about, Doc? I played three plays with this, this on the goal yeah. line stand. <laughs> and, and I remember because um, it was Curtis Martin. Um, you know, I grew up watching Curtis Martin, and they were going in to score. And uh, what happened was I was coming. I didn't want Curtis Martin to score. I didn't want him to win that game. And uh, I was coming down the line of scrimmage, and I remember remember making a big tackle on Curtis Martin, and we stopped them that, that drive from going in. And I put my hand on the ground, and I felt a, a hard click, like a hard punch. And my wrist go back, and it was kind of locked in a way where it wouldn't go. And I think we had two more plays after that. 
And I was like, there's no way I'm going out of this game, uh, regardless of whatever happened. So, um, yeah, we went over and we put the bone back in and, and I, you know, we got out of there. And uh, I think that following next couple of days, we did the surgery with the, we put a couple pins, pins in it. Yep. And uh, we, we casted it up and I, and I played. And you didn't miss. So you dislocated your wrist, wrist and you finished the game. You had surgery after the bone put back in, in New York, in the locker room. And then the next day we had surgery with pins and so forth. And you didn't miss a single game. And that's another example of people didn't know how bad that injury was because you didn't miss any snaps with that injury. And there have been other people uh, that have been put on injured reserve with that wrist dislocation injury. And yet you just played through with a cast and the pins and... I still remember this. My brother is a hand surgeon and he was like, well, we can do this, this, this. I said, well, he's going to play. He goes, well, that's going to be hard. I said, no, 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 he's going to play. He goes, well, he can't play with pins in his wrist because the pins will move. I said, yeah, you'll just put, we'll just put in threaded pins so they don't move because I know Sean, he's not coming out of the game. He's going to continue <laughs> playing. And uh, so we did a few little tricks to, to make it work. But of course uh, you're the one who, uh, who made the doctors look good always by just playing, uh, playing through everything. I remember telling uh, uh, management that, uh, yeah, we're going to do this surgery. Like, okay, how long is he out for? I said, no, he's going to play on Sunday. And they looked at me. I was like, no, you don't understand. He's going to play on Sunday. And, uh, and, and you obviously did. You make a good point about your knee. I think people think your career flamed out, but it really was flamed out because of that knee injury. Uh, well, I mean, you, you, you know yourself anymore. <laughs> it, it was it was unfortunate of me, right? Because obviously, I got I got suspended in two thousand six uh, for the uh, performance enhancing stuff, which you know obviously was total total BS. But you know it is what it is, and I had to take my suspension. Um, but it was the timing of being hurt in uh, two thousand seven, um, where after that I just I, I could never. Well, I came back, and then I kind of was I was compensating, and that's when the Achilles happened. Um, so I kind of mm -hmm. putting all this pressure on one side and you pushing off because your knee is not 100 percent yet, but you're you're still going out and practicing and you're doing things. So you just you start to compensate and that's when you you just you have all kind of problems. And, and that's what happened in my situation. So people it was easy for people to say, well, it was because of the performance enhancing. And I kind of laughed at that because, you know, if you go if you go back to first of all, I got my nickname lights out in my sophomore year in high school. You know, when I was 173 pounds and six feet playing six feet playing middle linebacker, it was always my mentality, man. That that was that was just who I was as a as a person. So, you know, I guess the easy way and escape goal to say, oh, this guy was on performance enhancing, but it was just a bad timing of me kind of blowing my knee out and then having Achilles right after that. So I never really got a um a fair shake to come back and and play as I once was. And I'm, I'm even surprised now looking back on my career that I made it back out after those two injuries and still played a couple more years. Um, and was able, you know, able to, uh, you know, be semi-productive in, in Buffalo in Buffalo. No, no question. But you, you, you know, you were, you were certainly productive by NFL standards, but you weren't productive by lights out standards. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. I mean, you know, yeah, you were an absolute difference maker, before that. And the one thing about the suspension, and I don't know that you and I have ever talked about this, so uh, hopefully uh, we'll stay friends after this. And, and I say this not being critical, but just, well, really being factual. I mean, the narrative, of course, of some haters are that 
you were on the juice, you got caught, and after you were off the juice, you couldn't be the same player. First of all, I can tell everybody, your size did not change. You did not shrink in size after that whole thing. And and I remember you're coming to the head athletic trainer and I saying, hey, uh, first of all, tainted substances are a real thing because most substances are manufactured by co-packers. So they don't exactly make a point of cleaning the vats all the time. And, and it's up to 25% of substances over the counter at any store have some tainted product in it. And I remember you're showing me and head, our head athletic trainer what you took and said, look, this says it's legal, I'm good. And you know, we look it up and whatever. And the only thing I'd say about it is, is you are absolutely correct, Sean that everything that was listed on there was legal and what have you. And you were young at the time, but the marketing material for that, what you were taking, which was legal by all the substances, and you were right, you checked it. You could kind of tell it was a little edgy, like like, like these guys are a little shady there, Sean, the guys that yeah. made this stuff. Yeah, but you, you know, the, the funny part is, it, it, so I, I sent that in, and the NFL said basically the same thing. They came back. What you just said, they said the same exact thing. Actually, I'll, I'll take it back a step further. I was coming in uh, after the Oakland game, the Monday night game. I had the FedEx in my locker. Um, and you remember how Stephen Cooper and we, I mean, we were crazy. We played games on each other and, and just horrible, horrible pranks and do all kind of stuff to each other. When I first saw the FedEx and I read the letter from the NFL, I thought that they were pranking me. <laughs> and I looked around and I and I smiled at Coop and I said, Coop, look, this is not funny, dude. Like this is some, you know, some serious stuff. And I looked at um, I think it was Randall Godfrey, and I looked at I said, look, whoever's and I looked at SP, Sean Phillips, and I said, guys, whoever's playing around need to stop because it was no way that I was like, this is performance enhancing. And I was looking around, I just thought it was a joke. I, I took the paper out and I remember walking into the training room and showing James. I said, James, what, what the hell is this? I mean, he said he, he read it out loud to me and told me exactly what it is. And my I mean, my, I couldn't my heart dropped to my to my feet. I could not believe that that was real. Um, and, you know, I went through the whole process. I think I spent five or ten thousand between getting the supplements checked out up at UCLA. Um, I sent it into um, uh, Dr. Lombardo. Uh, I talked to everybody and they was like, look, we, we get it. We understand. You didn't know. But whatever you put in your body is on you. And the bad thing is about it. I got that product at GNC on sale. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting there like, man, I'm, I'm kind of tagged up here with these guys who are really trying to cheat and beat the system. Um, and obviously everyone's looking at me the way I'm planned, the way I'm built you know, the way my mentality is on the field. I mean, it all matches up. I'm like, damn. I said, this is me walking around. This is how I've been since, you know, I played in Pee Wee League, Boys and Girls Club. You know, you can ask anybody. This is me. This is how I look. And uh, so it was, it was a tough, it was a tough time that I had to deal with because I really couldn't explain that the injuries would stop me. I, you know, the knee and then the Achilles right after. The Achilles, the, the knees stop me i missed some time with the achilles is what kind of took away the burst and and being able to um get back to myself ever and just with a combination of the two it was almost impossible that i was ever going to get back there uh so yeah that i mean that's that's what it what it was at the time man and you know i i'm the type i never look back i just i never look back and say man i regret this or do that and, and i just looked at how can i do things better or differently and kind of move on from it and that's why 
I never really talked about the knee so much. I never talked about the Achilles. I never talked about the injuries uh, until this dislocated wrist story. I never even told anybody about that. You, I mean, this is the first time I'm talking to anybody about it publicly. No, and and uh, appreciate that. And uh, you know, when I had you on this podcast, obviously I'm a bad media personality. I didn't plan any of this conversation. This is just you and I talking. And there's uh, maybe some eavesdroppers to the situation. So I had no agenda with this. We're just uh, having a conversation like we might if we had some free time. And, and uh, yeah, but everything I'm saying is absolutely true. Uh, the risk story, and, and yeah, this is what people don't know. I mean, I always laugh when people say. Oh, well, he wasn't on the injury report. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things that goes up, that, that go on that people don't know about. And you had a, a, a bunch of them. And my point about the steroid thing for you is that I can't vouch that I had no suspicion that you were on steroids. I do think you were silly. Okay, you bought it at GNC, but just the packaging and the labeling, it's like these guys <laughs> looked a little bit shady. I don't remember the name of the product, but it was... You know something kind of crazy uh maybe you do i don't remember the name of the product yeah was... and i'm like i didn't know you know i'm, I'm a kid you were naive you were young you're like hey this is a gnc it's fine yeah. <laughs> you know like i did you, you know if somebody tell you you're going to have a little extra energy to go knock out a second workout during the day and you ask somebody over the counter i'm like yeah sure that's great let's let's do it and uh you know because i always thought that steroids were needles and guys or bodybuilders and you know trying or, or otherwise guys who are trying to beat the system whatever the case was we, i didn't i don't come from that background if anyone knew how, how i grew up and where i come from i mean we we barely had food growing up let alone to have enough money to uh buy some steroids this the injury part is it's i mean we can go on there's other things too right i mean i had the you know had shoulder stuff and you know just just all kind oh, yeah. of stuff that I, uh, you know, had the the, what, the plantar fasciitis. Remember, we had had that for a little bit. Oh, a so lot of did. things. And, 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 yeah, you're absolutely right. I guess my point on the on the steroids issue is that, look, I get it. Too many athletes use the dog ate my homework excuse to the point that people don't believe it. But right. tainted right. substances are real. Like what I always say, and I've written about this. If you're going to tell the teacher, if I'm the teacher and you're telling me the dog ate my home, homework, I'm saying, show me the dog and the teeth marks. And you did. You showed us the product. You showed us what it was that you took that was over the counter. But it doesn't matter for the NFL, right? They still suspend right. you. You're responsible for what's in your body. And, and why do companies have tainted substances? Some of it is innocent mixture because of co-packers because none of these companies are most of these companies aren't big enough to have their own plants so they're done by different co-packers so there's mixtures of materials think about this if you put a little bit of steroids steroids do work and if you put a little bit of steroids in there but don't put it in the labeling don't you like sell more product and people say mom dad this is clean and it works and it develops a reputation and you sell more product until an NFL guy uses it and gets popped. Right. And so, yes, I do think tainted substances are real. And like I said, up to 25 percent of them don't show what's in there on the label. And so it is a real excuse. It's just been so overused that everyone right. gets painted with the brush with it. And, and you understand that. And my whole thing about you and this without going too long here is that. 
look, you were naive. It's GNC. I should be good. I don't care what the labeling, you know, how fantastic the claims are on the labeling in the website. It's GNC. But no, GNC can have tainted substances. And I'm not saying GNC is a bad company. They're just, you know, believing the words of the manufacturer is all. Right. No, absolutely. Well, anyways, thank you so much for the time. Always fun. And we got to have you back on again and continued good luck in your business ventures and media ventures and your fight league and the and the whole deal very exciting times for you and we appreciate it absolutely thanks again man have me back sometime i will definitely thanks sean you got it Dave. all right sean lights out merriman we got plenty of other fun stories about uh him his tattoo and other things maybe we definitely will have him back another time but let's take a quick break and we'll do our uh, injury rundown with segment three like we always do More now with Dr. David Chow, the pro football doc. All right, welcome back to the third and final segment of the Pro Football Doc podcast. Sean is great. Uh, even at the break there, I thought of like about 17 more stories we could tell. And we actually kept talking off the recording, podcast recording for a while. So we should definitely have him back. Some good fun stories and uh, memories there that are germane to uh, NFL medicine, sports medicine, and injuries. But with that, let's move on to the injury rundown that we have, uh, and then we'll finish off with the beast of the week here. For the injury rundown, let's, as always, start with the quarterbacks. Drew Brees did indeed come back at the six-week mark from injury, as we said on this podcast. And indeed, even though next week is the bye, they still played him. He performed well. He might have changed his offense a little bit. There was one or two throws that were high. He might have gotten the ball out of his hand a little bit quicker, but did very, very well. So should not have many issues moving forward, especially after the bye. Patrick Mahomes, we already talked about in the first segment. Matt Ryan did not play with his high ankle sprain. I think with the Falcons' bye this week coming up, he'll be fine for week 10. Sam Darnold seemed to have jammed or hurt his left thumb. This is not going to be a Drew Brees situation, no surgery. It's his offhand, so that's why it's less of a concern. And Cam Newton getting close. Uh, Kyle Allen threw three picks. My thought is Cam Newton plays week 10 this week. I think it's a close call, but they'll probably give Kyle Allen another chance. Cam Newton needs to practice a little bit. This will be his second week of practice. Then I think uh, week 10, it's his job again, just in time for the now moved to primetime Sunday night Packers hosting the Panthers Sunday night in Week 10. I think that's the game Cam Newton comes back. Let's move on to running backs uh, for this Thursday game. David Johnson with his ankle or Chase Edmonds now with his hamstring? Who's more likely to play? My answer is it would be David Johnson, but my real answer is neither. And I think that's proven to be true because the real answer is Kenyon Drake, who now the Cardinals have traded for. I think he's the starter on Thursday. Edmonds with a hamstring will be back sooner than later. David Johnson is close to returning, but with the Thursday game may not. But that's your quick sum summary of the Cardinal situation. Aaron Jones left the game with a left shoulder injury and came back in the second half for Sunday night football. I think that's just a shoulder contusion. He might miss some practice time, but he should be fine. Josh Jacobs played through his AC joint separation. 
and uh, he may miss some practice time this week, but we'll be fine for games going forward. Miles Sanders of the Eagles left with a shoulder issue that's said to be minor precautionary MRI coming, so he should be okay. Darren Sproles should be about to make his return. He's practicing this week. Don't be surprised if he plays this week. Alvin Kamara with the Saints bye should be back after the bye for week 10. Saquon Barkley, no worse for the wearer this week in his second week back from high ankle sprain, so he should be fine. Matt Breida with his uh, low left ankle sprain should be okay even for the Thursday game. I think he might have played in the second half, except the score was out of hand. He's a cyborg, as we talked about on this show before, so I think he'll be ready to go Thursday. And Darius Geis, his practice window could get opened up and uh, soon for him to return off his knee scope and, of course, the other knee ACL from the year before. Let's move on to wide receivers. Deshaun Jackson is said to be worked his way back into practice this week. I think this is his last chance. If he can make it, great. If not, he's likely to have core muscle surgery. Devontae Adams feels 2 million times better than he did before. But as my seven-year-olds will tell you, what's 2 million times nothing, right? I mean, from when he heard it, I'm sure he feels three, 2 million times better. But that doesn't mean he's ready to go yet. I think he's got a realistic chance this week for the first time. We said he'd be out until November, and he has been. So let's hope he can make it back. Adam Thielen should be okay for next week after his hamstring. He sat out the Thursday game. A.J. Green should be okay after the Cincinnati Bengals bye this week to come back week 10. Tyrell Williams was nowhere in the first half, but the second half had two catches for a lot of yards and a touchdown. So hopefully he'll be one week better with his plantar fasciitis. Christian Kirk looked okay with okay numbers coming off his high ankle sprain. Jarvis Landry, I think, has a right AC joint sprain and finished the game. Uh, And I think he'll be okay with maybe some limited practice. Keenan Allen played with his hamstring and did better than I thought. So as long as he didn't aggravate it, he'll be back next week. And Keel Harry has been activated for his three-week practice window. The next shoe to drop will be his activation to the Patriots' 53-man roster, and that should happen sometime this week, maybe late in the week. So the Patriots will get another wide receiver with Josh Gordon on injury reserve, and they just traded for Mohamed Sanu. But Enkeel Harry should be back uh, for the next week's game, in my impression. Marquise Brown is coming off a bye, and I would expect him to be back with the Ravens. And after his right ankle sprain and his left list frank, D.D. Westbrook re-aggravated his neck shoulder, missed the second half. And Marquise Lee, they both left in the second half. But I think both have a chance to return. Will Fuller is a little more questionable for week nine with his hamstring. He missed this week's game. And Brandon Cooks is a little bit questionable. Second concussion of the season for him. So that usually means more than a one-week absence. So I do not think he will play week nine. Hopefully he can play week 10. So overall, some good injury news with the running backs and wide receivers. Let's move on to the offensive lineman. Eric McCoy of the Saints Center returned to the game. Russell O'Kung returned for his first game action of 2019. Played almost all snaps in the first half, played into the second half, and then left with a calf injury. This is why it's hard to come back 10 days 
and then play a full game. Soft tissue injuries. And uh, Russell Okung with a calf injury. We'll see when he can come back. It was a much-needed shot in the arm for the Chargers and their beleaguered offensive line, but we'll see how much time he misses. Jawan James of the Broncos left with a similar left knee injury that he was dealing with. Larry Tunsil, his shoulder injury appears to be minor for the Texans. Justin Britt, not so lucky. Center for the Seahawks, apparently has a torn ACL. And Rodney Hudson, center day, center for the Raiders, has a high ankle sprain, I believe. I don't know how severe yet, but likely to miss some time. The Raiders have done okay if you consider their projected offensive line has not been together this season but for eight plays. This week was the first time they were together, and it didn't last very long there. At the tight ends, Chris Herndon still coming off his hamstring issue, getting close. Once again, another soft tissue early season injury. He was suspended the first four games, then missed the last couple of games. So you can put him in that early season category of soft tissue injuries. Finally has a chance to return. We'll we'll follow his progress. Hopefully uh, Cook for the Saints tight end. uh, He's missed the last two weeks with an ankle injury. Hopefully after the bye, he will be okay. Vernon Davis has still been out with concussion. His return is undetermined. And O.J. Howard with his knee and Delaney Walker with aggravation of his ankle fracture dislocation from last year missed this week. And we'll have to follow practice reports on them before they come back. Well, there's a quick rundown of injuries of the week there, Greg. Any other questions from you or Tortosphere before we get on to uh, Beast of the Week? a little bit here ironically enough i'm seeing a bunch of people asking about the world series and max scherzer who was scratched from his game five start don't know if you have any insight there but i know that that really captivated a lot of people well you know i haven't watched much of the world series uh and with football and family but here's the thing i do know this having taken care of major league baseball players and teams baseball is a sport that you can't play at 85 percent Football is a sport where oftentimes 85% is a good week. If you have back spasm or tightness, it may not be horrible. It may not be long-term, but you can't pitch with that. Or if you do, you're not going to be anywhere close to yourself. Baseball is a game that you have to be at 95% or higher. I get it. Everyone can point to Kirk Gibson and his home run limping around the bases for the Dodgers a couple decades ago. But that's the exception, and that was a pinch-hitting rule. As a pitcher, you can't pitch with with a bad back. Off the mound, you have to use leg drive that gets translated through your core and back, and then your elbow and arm become a slingshot for all that force. If your back is a little bit sore, you can't play. And that's not Max Scherzer being soft. That's just practical realities of baseball. But that doesn't mean he can't be better quickly in return. So hopefully that will be the case. For him. But uh, that's my take on the baseball injury there. So let's move on to Beast of the Week here. Two easy candidates this week. One, I'll make it easy and say, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson is a runner up. You get kicked in the eye and you keep playing and you throw a touchdown, you get kicked slash cleated. That's pretty good. But I have to give it to JJ Watt, not because this season is over for the third time in four weeks. But go back and look at the video and his reaction. He had a major injury to his pec. 
It happened as he split the offensive line. He continued to finish the play, tackling Josh Jacobs in the backfield. He does it by using elbow flexion to wrap him up instead of using his shoulder and his pec muscle because he couldn't. He gets up and stands there. You can't even tell that he's injured barely. His teammates come over to congratulate him. It doesn't look like he's even hurt. He stays in the game and plays another play and then calmly walks to the sideline, goes in the blue tent, and no fanfare, jog slash walks into the locker room by himself, already knowing what his fate is. And then immediately after the game, tweets out his peck should have been ready, thanking people for well wishes, etc. Class act all the way. We talked about it with Sean Merriman. I think he's cut from the same cloth. These guys like J.J. Watt and Sean Merriman go through injuries that me, we in the public, me now, I'm in the public, I'm not behind the scenes, don't get to know about. And this is why we always do a Beast of the Week segment every week to start try and point some of the, these things out. So this week, the Beast of the Week is J.J. Watt for having a season-ending injury, handling it with class. Literally, those in the viewing world didn't even know he got it. And he stayed in for a play. He finished the current play. That's why J.J. Watt is our Beast of the Week this week. Thanks again for listening. Uh, Check out the ProFootballDoc.com website. Like us on Facebook. Tell your friends about the podcast. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you next week.